Hi beautiful soul, this is Claire and the Art of Life podcast. I have been really struggling with where to put the podcast, how to get more connected and whether it really is a good idea just to put the energy and ideas into the void like it seems that that we are doing when we have a small audience or when the mainstream just isn't open to the kind of things we want to speak openly about. <laughs> um, I've even gone through various changes in thinking. Maybe I can start anonymously in mainstream. Maybe I can start back again on mainstream in a really organic and starting from scratch, clean way and just speak the truth Um but ultimately, it, it it seems like every time I try and take a step forward, there's something that just isn't right energetically with that. And I have to respect that. Um, it's really important to respect where the road is open and where, where the road is closed and respect that there's a different road for us. And even if it seems like, but that's the road I was going down for a long time, or, but that's the only road I know, or... I thought I was going to be an artist all my life. Um, you know, if there if the road is just blocked, if there's just not support or there's things that are being projected onto us and getting in the way of, like, if, if it's too controversial, it's too complex in just speaking the truth through that medium or under the umbrella of that subject or whatever it is that we, you know the job that we've been doing all our life basically um that doesn't sit right for us anymore that is draining us or or that is feeling tricksy or twisty or or just not right um that's usually a sign that something else feels more right and even if there is no clear way to get off the road and step into the new road, um, if there is such a significant feeling of not rightness about the road that we're on, the lifestyle we're in, the place we live, the house we live in, the work that we do every day, the, the rhythm of our day, if there is something that feels so wrong, it, it really is irrelevant that there isn't another <laughs> clearly defined straight path in front of us to take the place of that one. In fact, it's very likely that there isn't, but the path that we do really that is more true for us and that is more suited to our being and is a more clear expression and will give more space for expression of what we actually are Ironically, that path is everywhere and it's in everything. It's in our relationship with everything and, and that's the difficult thing to get to. Like we're looking, if we're, if we're um, still following external authorities in any area of our life or in all areas of our, our life, we will be essentially indoctrinated, brainwashed, essentially, or conditioned to such an extent to think certain thoughts that are self-fulfilling prophecy 
stopping us from doing the thing that we actually want to do that are telling us they're like little tiny fence posts when we've got big long legs that can step right over them just but just putting a fence there and saying no no there's a fence there I can't go there um and that's not the same thing as having the path blocked it's that's a like a completely different thing that's like saying I'm putting myself in this sheep field with these sheep because I'm scared of what's outside and I don't think I could fend for myself in the outside landscape when actually the outside landscape is the whole rest of the world and the rest of the universe and has everything in it that we need if we have the cojones and the energy and and or we're we're so frustrated with our life in the corral in the field anyway just want to get out of these um, metaphors for a minute and talk about art and what it is to give up a career in art and why I know that is the right thing to do even though I've always felt that art is the only thing that I'm here to do and this is what I'm meant to be doing um, I've spoken about this in some other podcasts but but this time I really want to launch into well, first of all, I'll tell you about I had a really strong dream last night where I was working with something alchemically in a bucket in front of me in a room with other people. I can't remember what the context was, but there was something very significant about this bucket with some sort of silvery liquid magic going on inside it. And then I remember suddenly stepping out to the door, like bending right down to the ground and making this primal scream, like screaming this, fuck, like the biggest F-U-C-K that I've ever screamed in my life. And I was just saying to a friend when I was describing this dream that I really can't raise my voice. It's not something I can do. And if I've ever had to do it, I, my voice immediately cracks and I, I might even have a sore throat afterwards um, because there's something very against what I know to be right that I have to raise my voice it's only in very specific situations but it's happened too when I've tried to raise my voice in authority and it's happened true too when somebody's negating what I'm saying and I know that what I'm saying is true and that just radiates around all the areas of my life this dream lines up with all these areas of my life where I really feel like it's time to open the door in this dream, I was opening the door and there are these, like a cross section of the public outside. It was like a busy sort of town place outside the door. And all these people were going about busy mainstream type things. And I screamed at them so loudly and then just closed the door again and felt amazing for it. Like the, the sense of alignment, the sense of it being at the right time, the rent, sense of it being the right word, <laughs> like they just that needed to be said. It was really extraordinary. Um, and I woke up feeling that that was a, a really strong, fully embodied affirmation and reminder that, that the right expression of word at the right time 
can come in any form. It might even be a swear word, one swear word screamed in the town hall entrance. <laughs> it might be um, dis a disruptive word spoken or shouted. And again, this is such a big thing to put down my art and not be painting for the longest time in my adult life that I've not painted and to be consciously deciding not to paint, consciously choosing to put all that energy, all that intention and attention and vision and creative power not into paintings anymore where they're not going to be seen and they're not going to be fully felt for what they actually are and what the power in them is and what the magic in them is. The kind of energy that I know is needed in the world now isn't necessarily going around shouting fuck <laughs> at everybody, but energetically there's something very loud, very truthful, very natural and very real, very tangible that needs to be spoken through me into the world and I've been feeling that welling up feeling like there's something I want to say and like I just can't get it out maybe there's like the emotions a bit sort of backed up and a bit boiling and that's not always the most effective form of communication but at the same time it also is in the right moment like everything has to be felt into in each moment every relationship if it's a living relationship our relationship with things and people and the wider public and the smaller followers that follow us and the family and the community and the so-called authority in the community, the hierarchy, patriarchy, rude man in the street who's commenting on my hair or my clothes when he's just like a horrible, horribly dressed old man who's barely combed his comb over in his bald patch. Whatever the situation that we're in, there's a there's a, a right way that is the way that's fully aligned in that moment and coming from inside out and is honest, maybe even vulnerable, but also with the strength of vitality, clarity, honedness, speaking to what's actually happening in that moment and speaking to the solution, which is I decide who dresses me in the morning. I decided how, how I brush my hair or don't. There is no controversy here. You don't have the authority to comment on my clothing in a way that's derogatory or projecting your idea of ugly onto a woman or your need to control how she dresses. The correcting might come in somebody projecting onto my painting that it's from my neuroses, that it's really twisted, that it's hypersexualized, that it's pornographic which has happened so many times that I can't count and I've given up discussing with people, that is not what's in the painting. If anything is in the painting relating to sexuality, it's vitality, life force, innocent power in a body, the power of a body to move in right harmony with the world, the power of the body potentially to make love, but I've never painted a painting of people making love or maybe, maybe one sketch that I did years and years ago that was very specifically about a cathartic letting go of a relationship but I've never put work out in the world online 
or in exhibitions or in front of an audience in any way that is people having sex. Never. And or masturbating or doing anything else that's akin to lovemaking. But if I were going to do it, and I have done pictures of the union of bodies, but in a non-sexual way, like the overlapping of bodies, a body inside a body, which is much more about archetypes and about the archetypal masculine and feminine and the sacred masculine and sacred feminine, about archetypes and metaphors of the small being, the large being, and so on. But yes, somebody is stepping into that and claiming the authority to project and put a different meaning and different intention in it that I haven't put into it, especially when it's something per perverting and distorted around an unhealthy relationship with sexuality as a separated thing, a tormented thing, a hyper overstimulated thing about frictional love and fric frictional lovemaking. That's not something that's in my painting. And it never will be because that's not my way in life. That's not the direction I'm going. It's not the direction I've been in. And it's certainly not what I would consciously put into a painting that is going out into the world. So stepping back a bit from this, like this need to have to explain one's work is something that's been like a whole role has been created in the art world around that which has effectively taken it away from, even from the artist and even from the viewer. So nobody knows about the art apart from the critic and apart from the experts and historians who then create a really dry, cerebral, tight little set of over-intellectualised, completely on a pedestal words that don't relate to at all to the work, but keep it in that sort of hierarchical authority that means that nobody can actually use the work or experience the work for what it really is even though people go to gal galleries all the time go to artist studios all the time and have tangible real relationships with work but it's very rare and it's become more and more rare over the years that people actually when I do a public exhibition which I don't do anymore haven't done since 2018 or so but when people have looked at my work publicly, there is almost always, 99% of them are completely projecting some mad shit onto it that's really negative and distorted. It's not just, oh, I feel this about it, but it's really negative and distorted. There's a small percentage that, that really get it and are moved by it, but they usually can't do that in a public context. It's usually people who come privately to see my work and experiencing it in the house where it's made, in the studio where it's made, in my home, which is filled with that energy that it's seen in context, living in a living house that I live in. <laughs> and therefore it's quite, it's easier to see it in context. It's easier to see it next to me, to see one of my paintings next to me, because it, there's much less chance of it becoming something completely different when it's in the context of an institution, a hierarchical art organisation. It's just made into something completely different and it has a different glaze on it, a different reflection on it. Even the fact that I used to actually glaze my paintings and put frames on them. And even that, like you can't see it behind the glass. There's glass, like all this glass that 
protects the painting and stops it from being touched. I don't want my paintings to be stopped from being touched. I don't want them to be behind bulletproof glass. And you can't even see the painting if it's behind glass. Any gallery is going to have lights and windows and there's you're not going to be able to see the painting. I want to see the surface of the painting is the art. That's the thing that's being presented by the artist. That's the expression. That's the the finished piece that the artist made. And, you know, that really gets to how art has been commodified and packaged and kept away in galleries and behind bulletproof glass. I remember trying to look at La Giaconda, the, the beautiful Mona Lisa in Paris. And first of all, it was hard to get close to it, even first thing in the morning in the whatever it was, the Louvre or whatever. But then just trying to see it, it's so small. It's it's literally behind bulletproof glass. It's, it, how can you see it? You're not seeing the natural light on it for a start. So you're totally missing layer upon layer upon layer of transmission and energy that's emanating in over time, year on year on century from this art. And with my own art, you know, the, the couple of paintings that I had glazed, well, I've had many glazed before a certain time but like from about 2008 onwards since I came to Italy I didn't really get paintings framed or glazed and the difference in having a painting that I move around my own house and I occasionally recurate my art and move paintings up and down the stairs and in different spaces and I change the house quite a lot move the furniture around change the purpose of each room and as I do so I rehang the work and then I have some clothes on the wall just now as I'm working mainly in fabrics and clothing right now. And the paintings are living and changing and moving, changing in relationship to each other. They're being activated ever more harmoniously with the house and in themselves because I'm listening to them and having an ongoing relationship with them. And even my comprehension of their meaning even changes over time where I see more layers in them and because I've always worked completely intuitively and spontaneously and without a, a kind of contrived protocol in my paintings and without pre-conceived themes necessarily, the themes come out through the integrated self, self-conscious deeper conscious so-called subconscious I don't necessarily have a deep hidden subconscious because I'm working with it all the time and creating pathways and connections and weaving the fabric of the whole conscious rather than keeping something subjugated Um, and that as such means that my paintings have a certain integral indigenous wholeness to them and they're out of culture I'm not painting the human figure in cultural context there might be a bed like a square representing a bed or a, or a sheet or a blanket underneath them but more often or not they'll just be an abstract colour or a coloured mountainous kind of a shape or a river or landscapes which again are inspired by and felt by the land, the landscapes that I've lived in and that I do live in that I'm living in right now but they're not like this is that mountain with this name necessarily that occasionally I have those mountains there but more often than not I have like that's a different thing 
more often, especially in figurative paintings, there's a general mountain. Um, and that, as opposed to somebody being in the context of a specific place or modern life with chairs and tables and sewing machines and um, filing cabinets sitting around them. You know, I don't, I don't paint, I never painted in that context. And, and I probably won't in the future. Um, at most, I might have a little cityscape in the background, like a, a medieval town, like the town I live in, or the, the cottages in the village that I grew up in. Um, just natural houses on a natural hillside, which are from the imaginal realm and from my, from my remembered sentience rather than from a photograph of a place and rather than from, you know, the factual measurements of a place, as it were, or the factual colours, they're more from the felt and the, the deeper and wider and more panoramic knowing of a place. And if a figure is in that, then that's a very specific, I think I might have only ever done one painting, which is a mountain that I grew up in front of and had a very particular experience in front of with a figure that is representative of myself as a child or a young woman having a very strong, essentially indigenous experience. in cosmic union with not just the place, but something very much beyond the place. And that's the one painting that I've used written Gallic text in, handwritten Gallic text in um, Scottish Gallic, just to be clear. So all of this to just outline generally what is going on in my work and and what it is to put that work out there and how how it, what its relationship with reality is, which to me, it is reality. It is my channeling of reality through self-expression for the world to see as a gateway and have something reflected in them or activated in them or awoken in them or peaked, their interest peaked by something in the painting. Um, and yeah maybe that's the crossover point to start talking about what's been going on in art that has reached this tipping point that I feel that there is there really is no point in putting art out into the world anymore um, there have been various really specific things and specific sensations that I've received in looking at what people are presenting as art in the world and online these days um, and one of them, one of the sensations that I'm getting is that the, the collective conscious and the mainstream conscious as a collective, which of course isn't really a thing, it, it, <laughs> now the collective is sort of like algorithmic contained bubbles but just for sake of not make, not overcomplicating it, let's just call the mainstream people's general unconscious concepts about reality, values, 
projections and collective imaginal realm which is locked into this thing called mainstream which is an extremely limiting and retarding container essentially to not mince my words about it in this context there there are still several sort of pillars of conditioning around art that that completely distort what people are putting out as art in inverted commas and what people are seeing in real art which is actually art and projecting onto it um there are sort of fundamentals that that which are like pillars too that are these these ideas that the artist is mad or the or the artist wants to be mad either as a means of being more free than others or as a means of um in, in the same context of being able to say anything but i also see like the sort of glamorization of that and the through celebrity and people pretending to be more eccentric than they are or having eccentricity even as a as the sort of crumbs of being able to be unique and sovereign and alive and free but the the kind of eccentricities which are presented as art and as creativity in contemporary imaginal realm that is like modern social media and so on they're often like really contrived like really contrived gestures that are very bonded into the expectation of applause or reward or attention from the masses from just th- these imaginary public people out there who are going to applaud for us this imaginal audience that we have which is symbolized by likes or um votes <clears throat> and the other you know that eccentricity or madness the artist being mad and the other being shocking like which is related to somebody being mad and doing something unusual and so unusual that it's shocking and also the pornographic model which is usually how people shock there's some el- element of pornography to the shock value um either violence or penetration of some sort or overt sexualization or exposure in a really inappropriate way that is showing a a complete loss of innocence or subjugation to a master or women with their genitals shaved etc etc the infantilization of women infantilization of adults who are behaving like children or behaving like non-mature adults who haven't grown properly into their bodies haven't grown properly into their sensuality their sentience and their sexuality which are all things that shouldn't be separated from each other um paired with this madness perversion and paired with this shaming this shaming of what we actually feel when we see a thing and know that it isn't right or isn't good or isn't healthy or isn't inspiring or isn't giving us a feeling of expansion in any way isn't informing us about things that we haven't seen before in a in a 
gifting way, in a way that's giving to us. This idea of shockingness and perversity being okay, being mainstream, being what art is now from... No, I'm not even going to start mentioning the names of artists and how they've been put across and the use of animals in art and animals in formaldehyde. And you know the kind of thing. Everybody knows the kind of thing, the kind of thing that is put there into the art world that just basically turns everyone off art and leaves only a tiny, tiny proportion of humanity even exposed to what is called art. But regardless of what's going on at that pinnacle of the hierarchy which is essentially theft of the imaginal realm on a on a global scale what's going on on the very lower levels of that pyramid for those who do not live under natural law in the horizontal there are there's this complete void of their power to imagine consciously and there is instead this this growing subconscious that is just filled with all this unconsciously being subjected to authority shit and this complete incapacity to actually vision, imagine and open up the imaginal realm as a real creative space in the world, individually and collectively. That becomes... Like there's such a a false power, but a, nevertheless a tangible power in the material realm of harnessing the subconscious of millions of people. They're not being indoctrinated or numbed or made un more unconscious directly by being directly exposed to stuff that is art like the shark in formaldehyde or the unmade bed or the the perversions and ugly paintings of the various artists or the cans of beans or whatever being stamped out. They're not being directly influenced by that, but the the way the hierarchy filters that down into the everyday, into culture into soap operas into cheap fashion into books and schools and the way the structures are set up that hierarchy is like this one way pressing down this one way it's like an informing but it's done in this very orchestrated pressing down way where the subconscious is progressively more and more compressed and more and more densely oppressed the further down the hierarchy we go. And yet, at the same time, the exact same time, it's a, it's a, a very fragile reality. It has this massive, massive, immense force but it only has this massive immense force through us consenting. And the consent, like it might be coercion, it might be, <clears throat> excuse me, overwhelm, 
it might be just the force of sheer it's everywhere I have to follow it it's everywhere there is no other choice but there is never a there is never not the opportunity to simply step out from under that. And there's never not the opportunity to, you know, people are still feeling stuff, mostly feeling something. And we can always come back into our feeling. And the more we come back into our feeling, what's right is very clear and what isn't right is very clear. And what's less, less, less right is more clear. I do feel that we're in we're at such a crux point where there's such a polemic, such a separation of folks going in the direction of what's really, really wrong for them and for everything and for the planet and for each other. And then there's you know, very, very clear, defined folk who are going in the direction of what's right and right for the whole and right for the planet and right for the animals and right for life and life growing and supporting life um, and the separation of this is is maybe one of the most important things that could be happening I think just 10 years ago certainly 20 30 40 years ago we were all much more of a mind that yeah we're all going in the same direction ultimately and you know the health service is a good thing and education is a good thing and <clears throat> money is a good thing and business is a good thing and paying taxes is the, is the right thing and you know there was a very high consent to that a really high sense that that was a fairly good world to live in and everyone was mostly being fed and or a lot of us were and we were being clothed easily enough um actually things weren't that bad but that is really not the state nowadays and a lot of us who have been doing the right thing for a long time are recognising that, ah, wait a minute, even though I thought it was on me that I was the one struggling away and I was doing something wrong in terms of not having the right structure to my business or not presenting the right brand online or not having the website with the right taglines or what, blah, de, blah, de, blah. But really, the system is not designed for folk like us to flourish who are openly expressing truth, openly expressing themselves, making real art, um, being really uncompromising in their vision and the truth that they're speaking and pushing the boundaries, pushing the edges of things because the edges of things are too tight and too limiting and that's not how life is. Looking at the interconnectedness of all things, it's no accident that I was talking about these things 20, 30, even 40 years ago as a child. I was talking about the interconnectedness of things, about other dimensional beings and about magical experiences. And those were things that were completely unheard of in my culture, and com or rather not unheard of, they were completely suppressed in my culture. And I was really heavily disciplined for speaking them. Um... It's not that different now, on the one hand, that in certain realms I will be heavily, heavily suppressed and censored for talking about certain subjects that are to do with nature, spirituality and the truth about self-healing and so on. And speaking openly about what the nature of government is and what the nature of taxation is and what the nature of 
suppression of truth is. But certainly there are many more spaces nowadays for us to be able to speak openly. And that's really thrilling and exciting to like to connect with people who are really open to learning, really open to expanding their view of reality, really open to to knowing why the world doesn't feel right and so on. At the same time, there are still these pervading like pillars of conditioning, which are completely in the way of that, completely in the way of, even though there's like groups here and groups there who are living off grid, non-vaccinated, um, exploring the real science of the immune system, da, 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 freedom cells. But there's still these underlying things which ultimately come back to art and what art is and what the free movement of expression is, what our actual life expressing life, source expressing source, unique interconnectedness, oneness as all is, there are still many things that are stuck in the indoctrination of separation and limitation and not freeing up the heart activation knowing that this could all be right, that it is all right and it is going in the right direction and that the atrophy might be necessary in certain areas, might be part of our progress. The release of life might be part of the progress. Um, and the blocks are, are almost all come down to us somehow having numbed some aspect of ourself, numbed it to the point that we think that the brain is the body when actually it's acting completely separate from and at odds with for example this um, subject of AI art in inverted commas which is just so prevalent in such a disturbing way to someone who has grown up using their hands, knows the power of working alchemically with hands, with plants, with paint, with wood, with the elements, with working outside, with constructing things, with fixing up a natural home, with painting on a canvas from the imaginal realm and from the collective imaginal realm from sewing mystical garments for ceremonies and for people that I love. I know the power of my hands and I know that the typing of keys on a keyboard and the clicking of a mouse is not the same activation of heart, spirit, source flowing through hands as working with a natural or fluid element. The structure of a keyboard, the electronic circuitry, the very nature of how the internet has been constructed, which isn't ultimately meant to further the human race's spiritual development, but is very much there to oppress. The algorithms, the the relationship with the, the platforms and corporate platforms for the most part that we're interacting with but even the decentralized platforms 
this fact of using an online algorithmic tool which is taking a phrase that we are typing in and taking the place of our imaginal realm and our imaginal putting down of our hand and the, the activation of a pen or a pinello, a paintbrush or a hammer and nails or whatever, the saw or a spade or a, the hand planting seeds, the hand lifting a jug and pouring a, a drink from homemade herbal teas the the power of the hand instead being extended into a virtual world and clicking and consenting to the artificial imaginal realm presenting an image to us in supposedly in co-creation in cooperation with that phrase that we've typed in I just want to call this out. This is totally fucked up. This is not our imaginal realm. It's a titillating image akin to what we've been doing with art for all these years of looking at art and galleries and picture frames that isn't our art, that is telling us that, that we can't make art. I challenged a friend online about it recently and said that actually I'm finding it difficult to go to what he's sharing on his posts because he's illustrating them in this way with these big striking images that are from AI-initiated in art, in inverted commas. And I'm saying, like, I don't want to scroll past that. I don't want to look at that. I don't want that to be imprinted in my mind. It has a direct effect on my imaginal realm. And it has a, an effect of numbing, of overstimulating and deadening my imaginal realm. Like, even on a... When I first started to see AI art in inverted commas online, I had this really distasteful feeling from the inferior ego and from the superior ego as an artist that how dare they? That's the kind of painting that should take years of development. If that were a real painting, that would take years of development, years of honing skills, decades and decades of research and development and dedication and time like the time that it's involved in that's the huge thing the passing of time under a paintbrush making brush strokes layering waiting for things to dry making these decisions from the intuition from a sense of holistic sentience from a sense of divine alignment with the collective imaginal realm with the cosmos with subtle forces with elemental forces <sighs> The breathing whilst you're doing it, the passing of breathing hours, the passing of time where you take a, a tea break or a, a lunch break and come back to the easel, the, the months or years that might pass building up a painting, that being created in, in, in an instant isn't the same thing. It's even on the most egoic level, that's fundamentally dismissing the work and the craft and the real life that actually goes into a painting or a made, a handmade object. And of course, it would be effortless to go and get that printed out, pay money to some office somewhere to print that out. And then I don't need a painting on my wall. I've got this AI art in inverted commas and my life is full. But is it? What's getting, what's coming back? 
what's coming back? I know from my sentience as one who feels and who is awake, awake and sentient and activated that I'm actually using my body for the right things. I'm actually doing right things in the world. What's right for me, what's right for the plants and trees that I guardian and the, the soil that I guardian near my house for the town, for the community. I know I'm in right alignment and I'm not doing anything against life or against the imaginal realm. I know I'm encouraging life to be more expressive. I know that I'm I'm not being righteous about it. I'm just saying about what's right. I know what's right because it's aligned. I feel a harmonious sense of interbeing with all the things that I come into contact with, apart from the town hall, who I'm negating that um, right of jurisdiction over my freedom and right life but the the use of an AI generated image negates that self-expression in particular it negates the self-expression of the person who is instigating the image who is deciding to use a, an, a screen online screen pixelated algorithmic artificial construction of an image that's on a screen that isn't a, a, a real thing unless we print it out and then maybe it's a nice image on a print but the feeling of that painting that isn't a painting there is no heart in it there is no source in it how can there be art and source in it there isn't there's no uniqueness, there's no mistakes, or, or well, there are, there's like algorithmic mistakes and technology, inf, uh, infantile technology mistakes that maybe will change over time. But there's not that, because it's not made by a hand, it, it could even be, I'm sure, there's, there's already, not I'm sure, I know there are already masses of stuff that is pretending to be handmade when it's, generated artificially by machinery but it's it's has the look of shabby chic when it's not something that's been used or worn but it's brand new and made in a really cheap fashion with cheap materials <clears throat> there are things that are made to look like they're hand carved and and maybe they they are hand carved but they're not hand carved with art uniqueness with a genuine vision they're not they're pretending to be spiritual objects, objects that we can, you know, a little Buddha statue we can stick on our shelf and be Buddhist. But they're not ultimately, they can be imbued with meaning and they can even be imbued with magic, even if they are very simple objects. But if they're being taken at face value, <clears throat> they're not as precious. Fundamentally, they're not, they don't have the intention in them. <clears throat> and they, they don't have the attention in them. They don't have the hours of care of hands touching them. They might have a few minutes of care, but the care is a distracted and dissipated care because the person is essentially behaving like a machine and being paid a pittance and stuck in a slavery model and so on and so on. Like there's a lack of heart on every level in it. There's a lack of care on every level. There's a lack of attention and intention on every level. So there cannot, by definition, be that loving, caring, specialness invested in the thing. And then 
you know, coming back to the AI generated art, it's like it's just a perfect progression beyond government. Like you control people's minds, governing their ments, and then you go straight on to just like governing the imaginal realm, which is like that happens through everything from weather forecasting to false news to pandemics to policies and indoctrination and oh my god just the whole thing is the trespass on the imaginal realm but this step into first of all the affecting on a very deep level messing with the genomes messing with the RNA or whatever it's called messing with the genetics of the human being and actually altering them to the technically the it could be argued legally with legal language, which we know is a very lower level of legality of law. It could be argued that they don't even have the right, the own ownership of their body anymore, but people don't act as if they've got ownership of their body. So if they're giving away ownership and authority of their body, people aren't self-healing. Lots of people don't believe that they can heal their own body. Therefore they don't. Therefore they give the authority to someone else, but the authority that is some outside of them will only ever has to by definition has to take more and more from them and that eventually comes to the the point where when people took the jabs recently they signed over the right to their body in these contracts where their the fabric of their being is being meddled with and altered so the person who's doing that altering can actually say now you've been genetically modified you are essentially a creation of mine of course you can deny that. Of course you can say I was tricked into that. But ultimately, because many people are still going forward with that, they're completely unconsciously saying that they agree with it. Similarly with the AI art, saying I can't make something with my hands, I'm not skilled with my hands. Saying I'm not skilled with my hands is a fucking self-perpetuating philosophy. It's a, a statement that makes it so just in the same way if you say I am skilled with my hands which everybody are then you carry on with that and you keep using your hands and you gain mastery your mastery improves the more you use your hands so saying that I I'm not I'm not good at art do you know what a mantra that is do you know I know I've talked about this a lot in my podcast but it's just so tiring to hear human beings who are these incredible co-creative geniuses connected with the cosmos completely throwing that out the window with this mantra of I can't do that, I don't know how to do that, I'm not good enough to do that. That is psychosis. And it's also ignorance. It's also throwing away the gifts of God. It's also shooting yourself in the foot but what it is to give away the imaginal realm to an algorithm a program a computer that's being programmed by god knows who with well we do know who actually and we know exactly what their agenda is and we know exactly what their intentions are even if there were good intention around it even if there were healthy intention that is not supporting the growth of your imaginal realm nor the expression of it through your hands. 
not only is it not helping you to be more expressive, but anyone who looks at it and accepts it as your expression is completely tricked into this very dark magic of thinking that they are expressing something that a computer is expressing. That just patently cannot be a thing. Because expression, yes, we can type words, but the expression is not the same thing without the art in it, without the heart and the hearth and the core of the being in it and aligned up fully, maybe in a perfect world with the technology completely aligned. Like I do know folk who are using the technology in a very subtle way to draw in photographs and on photographs in a way that is not just being losing themselves and losing their imaginal realm <clears throat> in the technology, in the effect. And that's a really important difference. Like it can be used, of course, everything has the potential to be used in the right way. But when it's being wholly used as a, essentially a crutch or much more than a crutch, like instead of having our own eyes and hands and movement and will of expression all of that getting neatly siphoned off so we can just lie there passively and watch an image pop up instead of us actually using effort and sweat equity and investing time and energy in mastering our hand mastering the nuance mastering what our unique vision is our unique unique vision the unique image that comes out of a an ai program is not the same thing as the uniqueness of a brush stroke or a stitch or a handmade garment that comes from spontaneous playing around with the fabrics. <clears throat> we, the more we step into this virtual world, which is being sort of steamrolled on us and even forced on us in ways that we don't want, um, the, the, the meeting of all those different forms of oppression that seem to sort of, to me, the, like the, the AI generated so-called art is such a perfect metaphor for all the different areas in which we're being manipulated to believe that we don't have the power to create our reality ultimately. Um, first it's removed from the body, the mind, the emotions, we look to external things like films to make us cry. We look to um, doctors to give us medicine to fix things when our imaginal realm should be doing that. The collective imaginal realm should be praying for us and doing that. The, like this world could be structured in a completely different way, but you know this this fact of us stepping over so willingly or so weak willingly weak weak willingly <laughs> into this um addiction of allowing ourselves to be titillated by external imagery scrolling through image after image the kittens the the ai aliens the strange imagery that looks like real people and people that we know from celebrity and politics 
doing unusual things that used to be the realm of caricature or uh, political satire, but now is sort of like just jumping out at us from everywhere. Our, our being lost in that sea of confusion, of fogginess about what is actually real, it really takes, it really distracts from somebody speaking clearly and truthfully that should cut like a knife through the fog. A knife doesn't really cut through fog, so that's not a good analogy. I'll start again with that. It should, <coughs> excuse me, a tr the truth in someone's voice should ring like a bell. It should ring like a bell that really rings for a very long distance, <laughs> that rings like right throughout the valley and right across the lands. Maybe a big cosmic bell that we hear ringing from outer space. Like the truth should ring through, but, but it can only ring through those who are open to it, who are receptive. <clears throat> like the vibration can only hit something that is form in the form to catch it, as it were. Like it can only hit an ear and a body that is vibrating in openness with it. And that's the thing, um, ultimately it might come down to us working in a different medium and catching the whole thing from surprise, in su catching by surprise in a different way. Um, it might be by us unaging and just showing people by example that we're, we're not following the same trajectory as it's presumed we have to in terms of degradation over time. It might be expressions of freedom in all the ways of like, let's, we, let's see what happens when I don't pay my electricity bill for a long time. Um, it might be that we, we find ways to engage with people and really pique people's interest and inspire them in ways that haven't been invented yet or thought of. And it might be that art really doesn't exist anymore because people have put their attention on something else that, I mean, that's just been happening for a long time. It's been happening for a long, long time. The subjugation of the human expression in all the forms of it, you know, from school PE lessons to addiction to looking at headlines and watching conventional BBC propaganda to taking a jab every winter to further suppress our immune system, the ways in which our indigenous sentience and wisdom are suppressed all come through areas that we can say no to, that we can just smile and say thank you, but no, I don't accept that offer. It's just an offer. The offer always has a consequence. And if there's something that looks like it's making our lives easier, there's always something that's been stolen from us through it. You know, the nice shiny fruit in the supermarket that are profoundly less nutritious for us than those ones that are just falling on the ground from the tree in front of our house in the overgrown garden. <laughs> the imagery that's 
popping up on the internet that we sort of get drawn into the complexity and bizarreness of and titillation of things that look different from us, otherworldly things, things that we'd never seen before, really impressive constructed images that give us the impression that lots of time, attention and effort have gone into. And of course, there's no effort, no time, no intention has gone into them and therefore they're completely meaningless. But nevertheless, we're drawn into them. Yeah, just all in all, we might have to go that far, mightn't we? We might have to go to the point of feeling what it is like to be transhuman for a while, to recognise that, whoa, maybe I shouldn't have been so numb. Maybe those plastic bits weren't really meant to be in there. It's really interesting, isn't it, what will happen next? Um, I myself have always been going towards sentience and going towards full expression of truth, of goodness, of life, of uniqueness, authenticity. And I've tried in lots of different ways to share that with the world and I'm, you know, I'm not completely discounting how I do that, but I sense that there's something about bringing things down into the horizontal and into the immediate, even, even immediately geographically, that it's very important you know, even telling people physically face to face, I have a podcast and this is what I transcribed into a podcast today. Um, talking about our thoughts more openly, saying what's right more openly and challenging what isn't right more openly. You know, I know a lot of stuff went on during the lockdown where those of us who knew that we had a right to breathe and a right to have a, a fully activated and whole, whole integral immune system, you know, we had to stand up and speak strongly. But I think that there's times where there's like a, a viral effect on that, where we're literally starting to realise that, ah, wait a minute, no, we have to do that in all areas of our life if we're not going to be harangued or even aggressively coerced into participating in things that are well away from our health and harmony together and our health and harmony with all things okay I think the guys have just come back after their lunch and they're strimming the garden again below so it's a wee bit noisy I don't want that distracting me or filling up the microphone here I really appreciate your witness in this living transmission I really appreciate people listening to what art is and what it isn't and I really appreciate your support, those of you who are supporting what I'm doing through my Patreon, through the hive.blog. Um, get access to everything that I'm doing and see what my channels of work are. You're very welcome to visit my website, clairegaiasofia.com. I am Sophia. Love.